Now, I don't know about you, but I love summer. Now, I don't love summer as much as I used to when I was a child after getting out of school for the summer, but I love summer. Some of my favorite memories of my childhood took place during the summer. Summer means a lot of things. It means warmer weather. Although here in Oklahoma, warmer is an understatement for sure. Uh, I've been here in July. I've been here in August. I've never been here in June yet, uh, but I'm about to experience that uh, later this week. Um, I realize that uh, warmer is uh, a relative term, right? I, I read a Somebody had a T-shirt here in Oklahoma that says "There's a, um, that says it's not hot until it's Oklahoma hot, okay? And then it's officially hot, all right? And uh, that's, that's uh, I realize, uh, part, of, part of the Oklahoma summers here is it's hot and humid. Um, summer also means a lighter schedule. Uh, for many, no school means vacation, sleeping in. Uh, summer's a great time of year. But as great as summer is, it also brings some real spiritual dangers. Idleness, too much free time, vacations, time away from church, the prevalence of immodest apparel this time of year are all perfect breeding ground for spiritual apathy, distance in our walk with God, and a change in our priorities. Uh, I was meeting with, uh, we just, uh, many of you may have seen some uh, little bugs and stuff like that in our in our buildings. We have recently uh, come in contract with a, with a pest control company, and they were here yesterday treating our our property for that. And uh, in that discussion, uh, the the technician that was here she mentioned that um, it is interesting to note that uh, cockroaches really like electrical rooms. They like that heat, and mice do as well. They they kind of breathe there in the heat. And, uh, and, and she said, every time when I go to someone's house and treat their home for insects, and if they have, particularly if they have cockroaches, she goes, I, I tap the, uh, like around the, the oven area and, uh, and behind that, the electrical. They love that area. So she taps that, and boy, they all come scurrying out. And she's like, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. It's my little trick. Um, and, uh, and I was like, okay, well, you're, that's, I get excited about things, but that's not one thing I would get excited about. <laughs> But she was getting kind of pumped up about it, and uh, I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, but uh, I'm I'm excited about getting rid of some of those pests that we have in here. Uh, but um, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, the summer in, in a lot of ways is a breeding ground for for getting us off course in our in our relationship with God, um, and uh, and yet God wants and desires that we would grow in our relationship with Him. We're told over and over again in the Bible that. God desires that we would grow in our relationship with Him. First Peter chapter two. So we're in First Peter chapter five. Verse in in, in uh, chapter two, verse two, it says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby." So the the idea is that God expects us as Christians to be growing and to be making progress in our spiritual lives. Second Peter chapter three, verse eighteen. As Peter ends his writings, he ends with this verse. He says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And it was Paul who rebuked the church at Corinth for not growing. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, 
but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And, and uh, I know you're thinking, you know, some of your teenagers, babes in Christ, that must be a compliment. That was not a compliment. Um, you do not want to be a babe in Christ, okay? Uh, you want to be growing and maturing in your faith, okay? Uh, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able to bear it. For ye are yet carnal. He was rebuking them for the lack of growth that uh, had not taken place in their life. So the writer of Hebrews also was frustrated with his audience as he wrote these words in Hebrews 5.12. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now, as I read through the book of Hebrews, I'm realizing this is pretty deep stuff. This is the meat of the word, really. And he said, I wanted to give you more uh, deep stuff, but I couldn't because you, you haven't grown and you, you need someone to come back and give you the basics again of the Christian life. And so the idea we get from all of this is that God desires that we would be growing. God wants us to grow, and yes, God wants us to grow even during the summer months. And God wants you to grow this summer in 2019. And so tonight I want to share with you some truths that will help all of us to not only survive spiritually this summer, but also thrive. It can be done. So what are these truths tonight? First of all, I want to share with you from our text that there is a Satan. Wow, that's an encouraging thought, Pastor. Thank you very much for sharing that. I'm so glad I came to church tonight to learn that there is a Satan. You know, I thought this was about surviving the summer. But you know, we need to realize that the Christian life is not a playground, it is a battlefield. And we got to take it seriously and understand that once we were saved, we entered into a very real spiritual battle. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. Oh, we can't see it, but it's there nonetheless. There is a Satan, and it is important to understand who he is and what he intends to do in our lives. First of all, I want to share with you under this, he is our enemy. He's not our friend. I would like to just simply say this, okay, verse number 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he's our enemy. Look, your enemy tonight is not your spouse, contrary to what popular uh, opinion is. Your enemy is not your spouse, it's not your children, it's, it's not your parents, it's not your boss, it's not your co-workers. It's not the pro-choicers, it's not the homosexual movement, or even the liberal Democrats. Your enemy is Satan and his army of demons, and he hates you. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And, and, and your enemy is not the guy who cuts you off tomorrow on the freeway. It's not the one who, uh, you know, tells you you're number one on the freeway, all right? Your enemy is Satan. He hates you. And uh, he is, he's not our friend. So he's our enemy, and it's important to know who our enemy is 
and also what he intends to do and wants to do in our lives. And that leads me to this next thought here. He desires our elimination. He desires to eliminate us. At verse number 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the, di- the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may bless. That's not what it says, is it? He may devour. You see, he wants to destroy our lives. He wants to cause us, even this summer, to get off track spiritually. He would love for you to not be in church by the end of this summer. For you to uh, be completely away from God. That would be his, his, his great goal. He desires our elimination. It is interesting to note, uh, somebody, somebody help me with this tonight. Who wrote, who was the human author of the book of First Peter? Somebody? Anybody know? I'll give you a hint. It's, it's, in, the, it's, it's in the question. Okay. Who was the human author of the book of First Peter? Who was the author, who was the human author? Faith? Peter. Very good. Okay. Out of the mouth of babes. Babes in Christ. All right. <laughs> um, so here we go. Peter was the one who wrote First Peter chapter number five. Verse number eight. Where it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Peter wrote that, and it is interesting to note that he wrote that because he would know that that is indeed what the devil desires to do in one's life. I'm I'm very confident, and I I can't necessarily back this up, but I believe that as he was writing verse number 8, he thought in his mind back to the words of Jesus to him way back in Luke chapter 22. If you would, turn over and we'll be back here in 1 Peter chapter 5 in a moment. But Luke chapter 22. Verse 31. We were in Luke 22 a little bit this morning as we looked at Jesus as he was about ready to go to the cross. But before that, he has a conversation with with Peter. In verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold... Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. That's pretty amazing to hear that, that the Lord would pray for him. (laughs) That would have been quite an encouragement. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And then Peter's response to this is, is typical Peter, right? He said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. He said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And Peter realized that it did happen to him. He remembered that. Satan hates you and hates your family and wants to destroy your family. Now, he he realizes that he can't destroy your salvation. He can't ruin that. But he can indeed eliminate your effectiveness for God. He can and he will attempt to take you out of church and away from God this summer. And he wants to eliminate your witness for the Lord. And he will use anything and everything to accomplish his devious plans. 
2 Corinthians 2 and verse number 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we, are, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Are we ignorant of his devices? Are we ignorant of the way he works? I think a lot of Christians are. They kind of just go with the flow. They're like those dandelions that when you go and blow and the seeds go flowing in the wind, they just kind of go wherever the wind goes. A lot of Christians are like that. They're not grounded. They don't understand that there is an enemy and that he is after us and that all of us as Christians have a huge target on our back. He will use anything. He'll use good things. I know uh, young people who get jobs during this time of year, and it's a great thing to get a job and, and uh, to learn responsibility and to earn an income and start paying their way. That's a blessing. But boy, jobs have taken young people away from God, left and right. They start getting mixed up with the wrong crowd at work. They begin talking about things. I remember as a teenager, I was 16 years old working at the fine dining establishment, Mickey D's, the Golden Arches. The Golden Arches, it sounds a whole lot better than McDonald's. The Golden Arches. And I was a fry, fry technician. Yes. <laughs> it was a great experience. But in that, I worked with people who did not go to church. I worked with people who used drugs. I, used peop- I worked with people who would steal money from the company while on the clock. So we need to be careful that the devil will use anything to try to get us or our family away from God. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have your kids work because uh, I want my kids working. I want my kids, you know, again, learning those things. But we need to be aware that the devil is after our kids and us. And he'll use anything. He'll use a relationship. He'll use a friend. He'll use the Internet. He'll use uh, a smartphone. He'll use anything he can to get into our hearts and draw us away from God. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11, Paul said to the Ephesians there as he warned them of the spiritual warfare that was there, he said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the darts that the devil throws at us, and he is going to attack us. As I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, many times the devil uh, fights mostly those of us who are on fire for God. The families that are in church, he's going to attack us maybe more so than the ones who aren't. And so I would encourage us to understand that he desires our elimination. He desires for us to be destroyed. He is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for you tonight. He's looking to use this summer to destroy your relationship with God and your children's relationship with God to take you out of church, and I want to warn you about that tonight. So I want to mention, first of all, that there is a Satan. I know, not a very encouraging thing, but we need to realize as Christians that there is an enemy, and he is after us. But number two, I want to mention tonight that there is a strategy. There is a strategy. God doesn't just tell us that there's an enemy. He also gave us an effective strategy to win the victory. We can indeed have victory in Jesus, which we just sang about a few moments ago. 
What is that strategy tonight? According to 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, Peter tells us, first of all, to be sober. Be sober. Verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He gives us the reason why we should be sober, and that's because we have an enemy. Now, to be sober, obviously, you know, in our, mind, in our vernacular, in our culture today, when you hear the word sober, it's, it's in reference to not being drunk. And uh, I've been sober for, you know, a year, or I've been sober for five years, or whatever they may say. And, uh, and certainly that means that. <laughs> and certainly we could make application tonight on not being drunk and not, not having the intoxication of, of uh, drugs and alcohol in our lives, obviously. But really, it gives the connotation here that we need to be serious. We need to be serious. Um, this past week here in Oklahoma, I know we've talked about weather way too much this week. And I know you're all tired of hearing about it. I am too. This past week, we've heard the phrase over and over again, be weather aware. What did they mean? They they meant stay alert, be on guard, pay attention. Understand that there is a threat out there. Peter is telling Christians here to be sober, be vigilant, because there is a threat out there, spiritually speaking. His name is the devil. Titus chapter 2, verse 12 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And we mentioned this last Sunday morning when we talked about the grace of God. It teaches us that we should live a godly life, but it also teaches us that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, and we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So tonight, as we go into the summertime, I want to encourage our church to be spiritually aware, to be sober, to be vigilant. And I realize that, you know, um, you know, Monday, right? You think back to Monday, you know, Armageddon, they said. I, and, and, and there was some, there was some weather that, that people here in Oklahoma experienced. But, you know, people took off work early and it was, it was a big deal on Monday. And we were all, you know prepared then nothing happened really to us and then tuesday really nothing and then wednesday again the threats came and here we go again let's batten down the hatch and and uh, be prepared let's cancel services and and uh let's be ready for this for for the big one that is coming then nothing really happened it was kind of crickets and i'm thankful for that don't get me wrong i remember asking my children on monday night how many of you are disappointed that we didn't get any severe weather? And they all raised their hand. <laughs> because that's exciting, right? <laughs> they wanted to go into the storm shelter. Well, we got to experience it a couple times. We got to experience it later that morning. Well, the next very next morning on Tuesday morning at four something in the morning. That was real fun to have all that morning breath in a very small <laughs> room. And everybody talking, and I'm like, please stop talking. <laughs> Thanks. And then we got to experience it again last night. We need to continue, obviously, with the weather to be aware, obviously. We cannot, I, I know it's kind of like we're done with these threats. Can we just stop and not pay attention anymore? 
Well, we can't afford to do that, right? Because our physical safety is at stake. Okay, let's turn around spiritually. We can't afford to be lackadaisical when it comes to the warning out there that there is a Satan who de- desires to devour us and to sift us as wheat. We've got to be spiritually aware. We've got to be sober-minded, as Paul said. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Here Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he says, Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. God wants us to be sober and to be aware, to not have our head in the sand when it comes to the spiritual warfare that we are indeed in as believers. This includes times of rest and vacation. And a lot of times after a spiritual mountaintop experience or a spiritual victory, we kind of let our guard down a little bit and we breathe a little bit and say, praise the Lord, what a great experience. Uh, That's often the time that the devil will realize how vulnerable we really are. If you think back to the life of Elijah, Mr. Faith, right? calling down fire from heaven. What a great victory he won that day. And really, it was obviously the Lord that won the victory. But but then the next chapter starts with Jezebel getting upset at him. And he runs for his life, sits under a juniper tree, and wishes that he would just die. Had suicidal tendencies. What do we learn from that? We learn that the devil often fights more after a spiritual victory, after a time of, uh, of surge. And we, we take some time off. We take some time away, and that's when the devil really fights us. I hope that you get to spend some time away this summer. I hope that you get to uh, get some rest and some relaxation. But I want to warn you, with that comes a guaranteed spiritual attack in your home, in your personal life. In fact, I believe that summer is actually the devil's busy season, right? You know, uh, CPAs, their busy season is the beginning of the year, preparing for taxes. The busy season for the devil is the summertime because people drop their guard. People kind of just let, let loose and, you know, hey, it's time to relax and chill. And the devil's like, perfect. Let's bring on the attack. They're vulnerable. He is able to use the idleness and the dropping of the guard and the change of the schedule to get you and I off course in our relationship with God. And uh, mark my words, I'm going to be one of those crazy meteorologists that you've been watching this, this week. Satan and his minions will try to derail your walk with God this summer and mine as well. And so be sober and don't think that it won't happen to you just because of this or that. I'm telling you, Peter thought it wouldn't happen to him. And we all know the rest of the story, how he did indeed deny the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. Unbelievable. He said, 
Not me. I mean, I can understand somebody else, but not me. We've got to be sober-minded to the point where we think we better be careful. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh that he standeth better take heed lest he fall. Don't think I'm, I'm immune from this. So don't get numb to the warnings. Stay alert, spiritually speaking. And yes, we could apply it to the weather too. Because as it looks, there might be some more later this week. And it is funny. My dad is coming in on Tuesday, and he really was trying to avoid any type of bad weather. And Tuesday, there may be some more. So I'm not telling him, though. I'm just going to have him come and surprise him. And uh, welcome to Oklahoma, Dad. We need to get in the shelter. But let's brush our teeth first before we do, all right? (laughs) What's the strategy for surviving this summer? Be sober. And then secondly, be standing against the devil. You notice in in the Bible, we're never told to run from Satan. We're told to flee from fornication. We're told to, you know, run from some things, but we're never told to run from Satan. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He tells us to resist. Verse number 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith. I'm glad he put steadfast in the faith there. He didn't say resist in your own strength, in your own power. If that was the case, we'd all be squashed like little earwigs that we've been seeing all over this building. We need to resist and stand in God's strength, in our faith in the Lord. James tells us, uh, James tells us in chapter 4, verse 7, to submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Paul also encourages us to stand against our enemy. In Ephesians 6, 11, we already uh, said this, we already quoted this verse, but put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Again, not run away from him. We have the victory. We're on the winning side. We have God in us. And so we can indeed stand against the devil. Verse 13 of Ephesians 6 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. So four times in that passage we're told to stand against the devil. I want to share a story. It's two verses. But it's a cool story in the Bible, and I want to share it with you. First, same, or Second Samuel, if you would, uh, chapter 23. I'd like you to see this. Second Samuel, chapter 23. <clears throat> um, this is the passage that goes through uh, David's mighty men. He had some pretty, pretty amazing, you know, we talked this morning about courageous men, and, and, and boy, these guys fit the bill uh, also. But 2 Samuel 23, verse number 11 says, And after him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. So here we see a group of Philistines, uh, the enemy. 
that were coming against, uh, coming against Israel here and, and uh, wanted to overtake this land. And, and there was a bunch of lentils, like a pea patch, so to speak. <coughs> and Shem is like, no, you're, you're not taking my pea patch. I, I'm sorry, you, you're not going to have this. I, I'm going to make some, some split pea soup later, and you're not taking these. He basically said, this land is not, not for sale. It's not, it's not for taking. And so he stood in the midst. Actually, before that, it is interesting to note, at the end of verse 11, it says, and the people fled from the Philistines. So as, as, these, as the enemy came, most of the people went, took off running. They, they jetted. They said, man, not me. I'm out of here. This ain't worth it. They're just a bunch of peas, man. What's the big deal? Shem is like, well, this is the Lord's territory. You don't take the Lord's territory. This is God's land, and we're not gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to just run away. And so he stood in the midst and defended it, and he slew the Philistines, and the Lord there wrought a great victory. There are two types of people there. The majority will run from the enemy. The faithful few will stand against the enemy. And I'm encouraging us tonight to stand against the devil this summer and to say, you're not going to have my home. You're not going to have my walk with God, Satan. I'm going to grow spiritually this summer. That's all there is to it. We need, we need that fire in our hearts instead of running away and saying, oh, it's too tempting. The trials are too much. Let's stand up for what's right. We have the Lord in us. We have the ability to stand for the Lord. Tonight, I'd like to just quickly share with you some practical survival tips for this summer. Some practical survival tips for this summer. Some things that we can add to our schedule, we can add to our lives to help us not just, again, survive, but hopefully, Lord willing, help us to thrive. First of all, have daily devotions. Have daily time with God. Some of us have a lot more time on our hands than we did a couple weeks ago or even on Friday. And uh, now we have more time on our hands. Let's use that time to get to know the Lord better. Psalm 55 verse 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. He shall hear my voice. Making sure that we're having daily time with God. Daily time in His Word. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Well, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So getting God's word in our heart by reading it, by memorizing it, by meditating on it, is going to keep us from sin. It's going to keep us from going astray. It's going to keep us from being drift, keep us from drifting from God. Oh, it's been said, either the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. How true that statement is. It's been true in my life. The times when I'm uh, faithful in God's word is the times that I'm, I, I'm staying away from sin. I'm staying away from the temptation that comes into my life. But the times that I'm kind of letting the word of God slip from my life is the time that the temptations I'm kind of just succumbing to. So I would encourage you this summer to make sure that you have daily devotions. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, 
our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. There it is, our, our daily bread. We need it daily. And by the way, that includes the summer. That includes when we're on vacation. That includes when we're taking time away and resting and relaxing. We need our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not in temptation. So when we're praying, we can prayer and talking to the Lord can keep us from temptation, keep us in a right relationship with God. Luke 22, verse 39, Jesus said, again, when he was in the garden, when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And then verse 46 of that same chapter says, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. You see the connection between the word of God and uh, not having temptation? The word of God and, and removing sin from our lives? And do you see the connection between prayer and not falling into temptation? Do you see that? That's why having daily devotions are so important in our lives. So for those who, uh, you know, maybe you've gotten off course with your Bible reading. I know at the beginning of the year we encouraged our whole church to read through the Bible this year. Maybe life's gotten busy and life's happened and, and you've maybe backed away from that a little bit. Well, let's use the extra time that we have during the summer to get back on course and make sure we're having time with God. Um, number two, not only do we need to have daily devotions, but we need to diligently guard our heart. Diligently guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. So don't drop your standards this summer. I know, again, we, we can get time away and vacation and all that, but let's make sure that we're continuing to guard our hearts because, once again, the devil does like to use this time to get us off course. Don't drop your standards. Guard your heart carefully and diligently. Number three, be faithful and be involved at church. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, again, let us, not, uh, let us consider one another to provoke into love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I realize that you may miss some services here at Cornerstone, but when you go on vacation, try to find a good Bible-preaching church and be involved there. Be faithful to uh, the Lord's house um, I am fearful that uh, those who go away for an extended period of time and they're not in church, that's a beautiful opportunity. Again, that's a breeding ground for drift in your spiritual life. So be faithful to the house of God. Uh, be, make time in your schedule. Make this a priority in your life. Be faithful and involved at church. Number four, spend time together as a family. Colossians 4, 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Make memories with your family. Put down your devices and the tablets and the phones and all of that and seize the moment with your children. We realize that we have four summers left with Seth before he goes off to college. And boy, are we counting down the days. <laughs> Not really. It's going quick. And we realize that we've got to take advantage of this time while we have it. 
because soon he'll be off doing his own thing. And we got to take those opportunities that we have even this summer to do that. Time is short and we can't afford to waste time and neither can you. So spend time together as a family. When you have that time, take advantage of it. Number five, stay busy with good things. Romans 12:11 says, "Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord." Remember the fact is idleness is the devil's workshop many times. And if you hear your kids say the word bored, that's an indication that there's idleness going on. And if you let that continue to happen, a child left to himself bringeth his mother shame, the book of Proverbs says. So we need to make sure that they're busy doing good things. I'm reminded of David, King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, as he stayed home from battle there in 2 Samuel. When it was time for kings to go to battle, he stayed home. He said, I've had enough. I'm tired. I need a vacay. I need some me time. Well, what did that lead to? Lead to one of the greatest uh, uh, scandals in all the Bible. And he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And it all started with a little idleness, a little extra time. So I would encourage you parents and, and me, when we have some free time, to make sure that we're staying busy doing good things and not just uh, things that don't matter at all. So there you go. Practical, uh, practical things and tips for surviving this summer spiritually. Hey, take precautions. Most of us have done things this week to prepare for the big tornado that was supposed to come on Monday. We went and uh, we did some Amazon shopping. We went to Sam's Club shopping just to prepare for that. And uh, we've taken the precautions. Look, the devil's after us this summer. What precautions are you going to take as a family to prevent drift and Uh, for the devil to get a victory in your life. What kind of precautions? Here's five that I would encourage you to take this summer. And I want to share with you lastly and quickly tonight, last thought here, there can be success. Yes, there is a Satan. And God has given us a strategy and there can be success. We know that God desires that we would all grow in our walk with Him. And it is possible that we would indeed do just that in spite of the fact as Satan desires to sift us as wheat this summer. It's entirely possible that our church would experience spiritual growth this summer. Now, obviously, do I want numerical growth? Absolutely. But as as I've said multiple times, the most important thing to God is not the size of our church, but the health of our church. So I want to encourage us all to grow spiritually this summer. And it can be done. There can be success. Here's a couple thoughts real quickly tonight. The, the path is sufficient for success. The, the plan that I've shared tonight, the truths from God's word regarding uh, some of these, even these practical tips, uh, it's enough. Uh, these truths can indeed lead us to victory this summer. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. 
He's given us all things that we need to experience true abundant life and godliness, again, in this present world. He's given us it all. The plan is sufficient. But here we go. Next thought. We must submit to the plan. The, the, the plan's enough. The plan's complete. It's, it's sufficient. But look, we've got to do the plan. We've got to put the plan in motion in our own individual lives. Everything I mentioned tonight is sufficient to help you survive the summer and even thrive spiritually. But the plan must be followed. We must submit to that plan. James 1.22 But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Joshua 1.8 This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Roger Staubach, the great Dallas Cowboy quarterback back in the 1970s. He led the Dallas Cowboys to the World Championship in 1971, and he admitted that his position as quarterback, who didn't call his own signals, was a source of trial for him. Now, you know, most quarterbacks today, you know, they have that little arm thing that they little flip up, and they have all the plays there, and they call the plays in the huddle. Sometimes the coaches will call it in. But really, a lot of it is up to the quarterbacks nowadays. But back then, it was all the coach. And it was Coach Tom Landry who sent in every single play. He told Roger when to pass, when to run, and only in emergency situations could he change the play. And in those moments, he had better be right. (laughs) Well, even though Roger considered Coach Tom Landry to have a genius mind when it came to Football strategy, pride said that he should be able to run his own team. Roger later said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Now, when it comes to the threat that we have against us tonight as believers, God has given us the play. What are we going to do? Well, that's not the way I want to do it. I want to live my summer my way. I mean, this is my time. I've earned this. I've worked so hard this year, and finally I get to rest. Don't tell me I need to be on guard. Don't tell me I need to be vigilant and sober. I want to do my own thing. I'm telling you, you're you're not going to experience the victory then. You're going to have some heartache and some trial, some scars because of it. Look, I, I, I don't want to dampen the excitement for the summer. I'm excited for the summer too. But I would not be doing my job well as a shepherd if I didn't warn you about the pending dangers that this season brings. And so to borrow some verbiage that I've been learning this past week, I don't want to issue just a spiritual danger watch. I want to issue a spiritual danger warning. It's imminent. Seek the Lord immediately. Don't delay. You, you can't afford to wait a couple months on this, folks. Because the devil's going to start attacking right away. We need to be sober, be vigilant. We expect our military members to be vigilant as they go into battle. 
Or we're going to go into battle as Christians this summer. Be vigilant. Look, your spiritual health hinges on your decision to take heed to this message. So what are you going to do? Are you going to experience victory this summer or are you going to be a victim of the devil's attacks? Victor or victim, what are you going to be this summer? Are you going to survive or are you going to be a casualty in the spiritual battle that looms? The choice is yours.